Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are closing out our series, Are You Connected?, as we are led by the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover. Pastor Ed will be preaching on being connected with the Great Commission. If you'd like to revisit any of the sermons in this series, you can do so at our website, which is ccgf.org sermons, or on the Christchurch app, which is available on iOS and Android devices. Now, here is Pastor Ed with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Hey, I've been traveling all over the world, man, preaching, but I'll tell you what, I'm really excited about being here with you at Christ Church at Grove Farm. I really mean it. I'm, I'm, it's good to be home. Hey, I'm excited about this whole series. I know what's been going on. They've been sharing with me, and I'm, I get the, the chance to talk about mission. Well, our passage is found in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. We've already read that. But our title of our sermon is called Connected Through the Commission. The word commission there is referring to the mission of Christ. Now, over the years, theologians ended up giving a name to the mission of Christ, and they called it the Great Commission. Can you say that with me? The Great Commission. Why didn't they just call it the Great Mission? Why did they call it the Great Commission? Because co, the word literally means together or partnership. Those of us who are followers after Christ, Christ has commissioned us to partner with him and then with with each other to fulfill his mission. Now last week we talked about connecting so that we might serve one another, so that we might have a ministry in the body of Christ. Today we're talking about getting outside the walls of the church and going out and reaching a lost world in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to the gym, where we go to the store, go to school. We're going out there to win a world that is lost, to go into the city, the city of Pittsburgh, as well as around the world. And that is what we're talking about today, reaching a world that is lost. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would ask right now that you would fill me with your spirit. And I would take authority over anything and everything that would try to hinder what you're doing. And I would ask that you'd fill me with your spirit and that you would forgive me, cleanse me, fill me, and that you would speak through me to your people. And we as your people wouldn't just be hearing of the word, hearers of the word, but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that, Lord, you would change us. For, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When God saved you, why didn't he just take you to heaven? Have you ever thought about that? Why didn't he just save you, take you to heaven? Why? Because Jesus has an assignment for you to to complete. He wants you to fulfill an assignment. Every Christian is on a temporary assignment. It is temporary because one day your assignment will end and you will go into eternity. The Bible makes it very clear that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A tombstone verifies that truth. When you look at a tombstone, it always has the time that that person has been born then always has a time that that person has died. When you die, they're going to have a tombstone. Time you were born, time you die, and right in between, there's a dash. And that dash represents your life. And that that dash should remind you that you do not have forever to do what God has called you to do. You You do not have forever to fulfill your assignment. The clock is ticking. 
It's moving right now, and we don't have forever. Someday we're going to leave this land of the dying, and we're going to go into the land of the living. And we're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account of how well we fulfilled his assignment. And then he's going to reward us. He's going to reward you, and he's going to reward me. So guess what? You don't want to miss your assignment. You want to know exactly what in the world you're supposed to do. And Jesus did a fantastic job. He told us, he told us five different times what our mission is all about, what we're supposed to do. But before we look at those five times, let me tell you what he said about his mission. This is what he said about the mission that the Father had given him. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. We know that Jesus Christ fulfilled that mission. He died on the cross. He was raised again from the dead. Anybody calls upon his name, they shall be saved. He finished that assignment. He made it possible for all of us to be saved. But then he walked out of the grave. And when he walked out of that grave, he went up to his disciples and he said five different times. That One of the first times is found in John chapter 20, 21. It says this. As the Father has sent me... Now I send you. Another way of saying that, as the Father has given me the mission, now I'm giving you the mission. Then he says over in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said this, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. Third time, he goes in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead, and on the third day... Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached, and in his name to all in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I love that song, Jerusalem. The fourth time, Acts chapter one, verse eight says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and out of parts of the world. And then Jesus ascended unto the right hand of the Father. But the fifth time he tells us in our passage this morning, he says this in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It is very clear that Jesus is counting, was counting on his disciples then, and he's counting on us now to fulfill his mission. And his mission isn't a suggestion. It's not an option. It's a command. It's a command. We as the followers of Christ have the responsibility and the privilege to fulfill his mission. Why do I say it's a command? Well, because there's a command in this passage. Now, many used to teach that the command is is in the word go. That's not true. The command is found in these two words. Make disciples. Say that with me. Make disciples. Let me ask you, how many of you believe that you are a disciple of Christ? That you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Could you just raise your hand if you believe that about yourself? You know what that means? That means somebody was faithful to communicate the gospel to you where you could understand it and where you could respond. Do you know who that that person was or those people were? If you do, I'm going to encourage you today to pick up your cell phone, your phone, and call them and thank them for being faithful to the mission. But he didn't stop there, did it? You didn't just become a disciple or uh, uh, someone who got saved. Somebody came alongside of you and discipled you. Somebody or a group of people were faithful to teach you the word of God, 
That, that's why you're so confident to raise your hand because somebody continued to fulfill their assignment and taught you the word of God. You responded and you raised your hand. But God didn't give us a commission or a commandment to go and be a disciple. He called us to go and make disciples. You see, somebody took what they knew and they invested in you. A disciple is somebody who takes what they've learned and they impart it in somebody else. And now you who have been discipled need to become a discipler. You need to go and make disciples. You need to take what God has taught you and impart it to somebody else. Let me ask you a question. Are you imparting what you know to anybody? Are you making a disciple? I'm not saying, are you serving? I'm not saying that you're running projects. I'm not saying you're part of a program. I'm saying, are you personally investing in anyone and you're taking what you've learned and you're imparting it in them? You are doing what you can to win people to Christ. You're doing everything you can to build people up in Christ. You're bringing them to the church and you're, so that they can be trained. You're encouraging them to come so that they can be trained, so that they can become a multiplier. So that we can all be about connecting with one another. So we can all be about making disciples that make disciples. Are you doing that? If you're not doing that, then you're not on assignment. You're missing your assignment. But Jesus tells us. He tells us now, go make disciples. And he tells us how. He gives us three action verbs. First one is go. Second one, baptizing. Third, teaching. Now, most of you, if not all of you, who are followers of Christ have been baptized. If you haven't, you need to be. But all of us today have most likely been taught the word of God. So I'm going to skip over those two words, and I'm going to go right into go. Go literally means as you are going. As you have gone, really, that's what it says. Jesus is taking it for granted that followers of him are going to be obedient to his mission. You're going to go. You're going to go and you're going to make disciples. And he tells us how to do that. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the earth. He told us to go and be a witness. What's a witness? A witness simply is somebody who, who tells what they've seen, what they've heard, and what they've experienced. Let's say that you saw a car crash and somebody was hurt. And you were an eyewitness, so a, ju- uh, a, a lawyer would come to you and say, I want you to go and be an eyewitness. And you'd go and stand before a judge and before a court, and you would tell them what you've seen, what you saw, what you heard, what you experienced. And they would call you an eyewitness. That's what Jesus Christ is asking us to do, to go out and give our testimony of what God has done in our lives. That's what he's asking us to do. To encourage you, I thought I'd tell you some people in the scriptures that used their testimony. And God used them in a mighty way. In Psalm 66, 16, it says, King, this is about King David, says this. Come and listen, and I'll tell you what God has done for me. John 4, 39, it says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What woman? The woman at the well. How many men did she have? A bunch. Many of you are sitting out there and saying, my testimony is a mess, Pastor Ed. I've screwed up. You've got a testimony. God can use you. How about the man born blind? Remember him, John 9, 25. He says, I don't know whether he's good or bad, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I know this. I was blind, 
and now I can see. Has God done anything for you? Has he met you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially? Has he made a way where there seems to be no way? You've got a testimony. You can tell what God has done for you. How about Peter and John? Over in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, it says, And they were standing before the religious leaders, there before the Sanhedrin. You think they were afraid? Oh, man, I, I believe they were. But they were faithful. And this is what they said. We can't stop telling about the wonderful things we have seen and heard. You know, courage, I love what John Wayne says about courage. He says, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. That's courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's fighting fear and being faithful to do what you know you must do. Have you been afraid to talk about your testimony, to tell people about what God's doing in your life? You can fight the fear, believe me. The Spirit of God is dwelling within you. He will empower you to be God's witness. Then how about Paul? The Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 22 through 26. Six different times he uses his testimony to share Christ with the unbelievers. I was just again in Israel. I went to Jordan and Israel, and I was there at the places where Paul stood. It was intimidating, but he was faithful. Let me ask you, can God use your testimony? He sure can. He sure can. Let me tell you, some of you might be sitting out there, God can't use me, Pastor Ed. Oh, yes, he can. Abraham was old. Remember that? You feel old today? God can use you. He can use your testimony. Abraham said, I'm too old. But God used him. How about Jacob? Jacob was insecure. You feel insecure? God can use you. How about Leah? Leah was unattractive. Do you feel unattractive today? God can use your testimony. How about Joseph? Joseph was abused. Have you ever been abused? You've got a testimony. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab, she was immoral. She was a prostitute. David. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. You got family problems today? You have a testimony. Elijah was suicidal. You ever had those thoughts? You have a testimony. Jeremiah was depressed. You ever been depressed? You have a testimony. Jonah was rebellious and reluctant. Naomi was a widow. You feel alone out there? You're a widow? God wants to use you. John the Baptist, he was a wild man. You a wild man? God wants to use you. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. You a worrier? You got a testimony. How about the Samaritan woman? We already talked about hers. Several failed marriages. Zacchaeus, she was unpopular. He was unpopular. You feel like nobody likes you? You got a testimony. Thomas doubted. Paul had poor health. You're not feeling so good. You got some health problems? You got a testimony. How about Timothy? He was, he was timid, he was scared. 
God used his testimony. And Lazarus was dead. I mean, Lazarus was absolutely dead. And God used his testimony. Listen, God wants to use you and your testimony. He wants you to talk to people about the things he's done in your life. If you don't, you will miss your assignment. You will miss it. Let me tell you about a woman that I met in Jamestown, New York. I was doing an internship there when I came out of seminary. This woman came to me, and I was talking like I am today, and she said, oh, Ed, I can't, I'm too old. I don't have a testimony. It's not good. God can't use me. Walked away from me, and I, and I, I said, hey, he can use you. Well, she did a tea party every month with about 15 to 20 women. They came over to her house. They had this tea party. But there was a bunch of potholes on her street. So they came in complaining about the potholes. So she stood up and she said, yeah, I've been asking the city to, to fill those potholes. Well, the next week after the tea party, the city came and paved her road. It was beautiful. Next month, tea party, every, every, all the women came, talked about how great her street was. And she got up and she said, yeah, they, I was amazed. They came and fixed my street. Then a woman afterwards went up to her and said, you see that woman over there? She said, yeah, I haven't really met her yet. Yeah, she's the mayor's wife. And last month, she was here, and she heard what you had to say. She went to her husband, and that's why your road was paved. Well, she came running into church on Sunday, came running up to me. She's a little lady. She grabbed me by the collar. She pulled me down, and she said this. She said, Ed, you're right. If I just speak up, God will use me. And she said this. i got to read it. If God can use me to pave a street, God can use me to pave the way to heaven for those who are lost. Amen? God used that little woman. And she began to give her testimony. She began to give her testimony. But you know what happens? When you begin to give your testimony, what happens is that you begin to earn the right to be heard. And when you begin to earn the right to be heard, people begin to ask you for the reason of your hope. And when they ask you, that's when you get the opportunity to communicate the gospel, to tell them how they can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul did constantly in the book of Acts. And that's what you'll get an opportunity to do. But let me ask you, are you prepared? Do you know how to present the gospel? Do you know how to give your testimony? Do you know how to prepare? Listen, there's this older woman again that Billy Graham talks about. Talks about that she was faithful to communicate the gospel, tell her testimony. Many people had gotten saved, but she became very, very ill. And she ended up becoming a shut-in. But she wanted to complete her assignment. So she picked up the phone book, and she started with A's, and she began to call everybody on that phone book. And she would start a conversation. They would start talking to her. Sooner or later, she would share her testimony. Then she would share Christ. And Billy Graham says... Before she went from the land of the dying into the land of the living, she led over a thousand people to Jesus Christ. We're talking about a shut-in who is faithful to communicate her testimony and communicate the gospel. That woman, when she stands before God, she fulfilled, without question in my mind, the mission of Jesus Christ. How about you? How about me? How are we doing? Can we communicate our testimony? Do we, are, are we confident about Are we confident we, we can communicate the gospel? Listen, right here at Christ Church, two times a year, I run a missions class. In that missions class, I will teach you 
how to, how to write down your testimony. And then I will train you how to communicate the gospel. And I'm encouraging you to come to that missions class. It's going to happen on, on January 20th. Can you say that? January 20th. You come, we'll train you and equip you so that you can fulfill your assignment. Also, we read today and we were told very clearly about all the different ways that you can get outside the walls of this church and you can go to the Dominican Republic. You can go and use your life to communicate the gospel. You can go, and the other partner that we have is Urban Impact Foundation. You come down into the city and you can communicate the gospel. You can go out in your neighborhoods, where you work, where you live, communicate the gospel. We can go. The church has equipped us to do that. But I want to encourage you with something. At Christmas, we're going to run a number of services right here at Christ Church. And all those services are all about trying to bring people who are unchurched into this building, people who don't know Jesus. But it won't happen through advertisements. You know, the people who come to church is because somebody asked them. You have relationships with all kinds of people, people who don't know Jesus. And Jesus is counting on you and he's counting on me to make sure that we fulfill our assignments. So I want to encourage you with something. I know that Urban Impact will be here on December 1st and 2nd. And I know that I will communicate the gospel during that. Last year we had almost 3,000 people right here. You know in the last two years over 200 and some people have come to know Christ. And do you know this? That we saw last year families, literally families coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you will be faithful and you will write down a list of people and you begin to pray for them, pray that God will open the door for you to invite them to come to one of the services. Come where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what I've learned over the years? I've learned this. I've learned that I need to, before I talk to people about God, I need to talk to God about people. We need to pray. If you will pray, you will be amazed how they will be open. If you don't pray, you'll just go and give an invitation and most likely hardly anything will happen. But if you pray and you get about God's business, you will be amazed. And the people will be in this building and we won't just be talking to Christians. We'll be talking to people who need to know about Jesus Christ. Man, I don't know about you, but I've been traveling about the world and the world is lost. And Jesus is counting on us, you and me, to complete our assignment. We need to lock arms, my friend. We need to get about running his errands for his glory. I've said this illustration before, and I just end with this. About not missing your assignment. You don't want to miss that. You want to win. You want to stand before God. And you want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you want their family members, you want your friends, you want those people to be in the kingdom with you. No doubt about it. So what is it that stands in the way of you completing your assignment? What is it? Get rid of it. Take it down. Remove it in the power of the Holy Spirit and fulfill your mission. Because you don't have forever to do that. A friend of mine, a pastor friend, he was in college and uh, he talked to me about a time where he, he hated literature. And he was in a literature class, and he procrastinated. He had one assignment, only one thing he had to do, write one paper. And he put it off, and he put it off. And finally, about two weeks before it was due, he pulled out the syllabus, and he went to the library. He pulled some all-nighters, and he got the paper done and turned it in on time. He got it back, and when he got it back, on the paper it said, 
good paper, good content, and a big circle with an F in it. And he looked at that F, and he said, how in the world can I get an F? It says, good paper, good content. Then he looked at the very bottom of the paper, and it said, wrong assignment. (laughs) Now, I've shared that before, but I hope it has a different meaning for you right now. We're living in times that are unprecedented. We have technology where we can reach the world. We are the most wealthy nation people in history. We can take the gospel into the cities, into the world like no other, no other generation. And here we sit and we see what's going on in the country under our watch. As pastors, under my watch. And I'm asking the Lord... What is it? What are we doing? We can win the day. In the days when the disciples were around, it was 100 times worse than it is right now. Is anybody trying to kill you for talking about Jesus Christ? Is anybody trying to crucify you? No. We have a window of opportunity in this country if we will lock arms, if we will run the Lord's errands, and we will fight our fear, we will see people come to know Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart, and I know that God dwells within you, and if you and I, all of us, lock arms, connect with one another, I believe it ain't over yet. And I believe people will come into the kingdom of God, and we can turn the tide. I just did a revival in Clarington, Pennsylvania, A little church, about 30 people. You know how many people they brought to that revival? Over 250 people. Every, it was amazing to me. Reaching, trying to reach their community. People came to Christ. People were healed. God did great things in their midst. Jesus had 12 guys and 120. And they turned the world right side up in their generation. How many of us in this room, we stand up, we really take it on. We really get about his business. We get about being prepared to communicate our testimony and the gospel. We start praying for those who are around us, and you will see God use you. You're not too old. You're not too young. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you. God can use you. We as your pastors, we love you. We believe in you. This is no job for us. This is a calling. And we believe for such a time as this, we are alive in this generation to do something that only we can do. Are you with me? Oh, my. Are you with me? That's, that's unbelievable. Okay, let me stop. Stop you right here. I was out there, and I told those people in Clarington, Pennsylvania. I mean, they were the frozen chosen people. And by the time I left there, they were clapping, they were praising God, they were saying, we're going to get this done, Pastor Ed. Now I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you about to go out, if you sit there and have no, I'll tell you what, if I started talking about the issues of of our country, a lot of you would stand up with unbelievable passion and begin, begin to wax eloquent about all those problems. I'm talking about standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ and waxing eloquent for him. Who's in this? Yes or no? Are you or are you not? Stand up and let them know you're alive. Jesus Christ dwells within you. And God's going to use us. It ain't done. The big lady hasn't sung. Jesus Christ dwells within his people and we're about his business. Amen? Amen. Father, bless these people.
May we be a blessing, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.